0: Okay, let's continue. Oh, about these thirds. This is an actual model of, the of, this is not the temple of Solomon. This is the rebuilt Herod's temple, uh, this thing. So it's a little bit different. But here in, this is the beginning of 2 Chronicles 23. And we have these divisions of Levites posted at these gates. So they're at these gates up here on the inside of the city. And you have this very special gate into the courtyard where right behind that gate, would you see that that's the temple behind it, the actual holy place. And so the altar and stuff would be there. That's where they undoubtedly made this covenant. And then you have more people out in the, uh, uh, this big arrow is pointing to where the palace would be. Solomon's palace was right next to the, to the temple precinct. That's not where Herod built his palace. His were in a different quarter of the city. But Solomon's palace had been right up against the the, the temple. And then down below, if you see, it is on the screen in the corner. Can you see that? Those little doors? That's the fountain gate, I believe. And so it's the street access to get up to the, through. And the thing above it in this picture, uh, that little covered thing, is Solomon's colonnade, the covered walkway. Um, That kind of goes, it wraps around three sides of the thing. And on the opposite end, uh, you see kind of a fortress in the upper right corner. In the New Testament, that's the fortress of Antonia. And um, uh, the Apostle Paul's trial with Felix goes on there on the steps there and so forth. That's a different book of the Bible. But anyway, that's that's where these things are going on. Did I go back a slide? Anyway. Okay, so they've, they've posted all these Levites and no one will come into the house of the Lord except the priests and the Levites who are serving. So if somebody's coming on duty, let them come in, a, a Levite or a priest. And I, I kind of wonder if they also had a password, you know, like down with Athaliah or Moses is great or something like that. I don't know what they would have said, Baal. Baal is a dummy. I don't know what they would have said. Uh, They are allowed to enter because they are holy. All the rest of the people will follow the directions of the Lord. And the Levites will completely surround the king, each with his weapons in his hand. Anyone who enters the house will be put to death. You you accompany the king when he comes in and goes out. So he arms the Levites. And what he does is, I think it's, is it the next... Uh, No, it's in verse 9. The Levites and all Judah did exactly as Jehoiada the priest had commanded. Each leader combined the men coming on duty on the Sabbath with those going off duty on the Sabbath. Brad, you were talking about your your hours at work. Can you imagine the end of a 12-hour shift and then the boss says, no, you're staying on duty. Here's a spear. Go stand at that doorway and stay awake. You know, here's a cup of coffee or whatever. And then, and then Jehoiada the priest did not dismiss the divisions. So uh, overtime for everybody. You're, you're, we all, we got to keep everybody on duty here because we got something important to do. It's not going to take a long time, but they have to do this thing. And then where do they get their weapons? Well, Jehoiada the priest, the high priest, gave the commanders of the hundreds, the spears, the large shields, and the small shields, which belonged to King David and which were in the house of God. Now I'm going to go back and just uh, uh, mention about this. This is the top of the flip side of your handout. Um, Remember that the golden shields were gone. They were captured by Pharaoh Shishak way back in the the reign of King uh, 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 Rehoboam. But they weren't the only shields and weapons that were around. Um, just just put this in your in your mind. David, when he was um, not only king, but before he became king, he, David had a habit of you know he had a rough life, slept outdoors most of the time. He was you know a kind of a rough and ready soldier, was on the run away from King Saul or in favor of some other king most of his life. And during one uh, attack in during his kingship, um, he took uh. The shields and other weapons from a king named Hadad Ezer, the king of Zobah. I have the wrong reference. I have 2 Samuel 87. There is no such animal. I think it's 8-7. I think it's just a, missed the colon there. Um, so David, and who would, uh, this, the, this king of Zobah, uh, effectively uh, some king from up north, would he have all matching shields and weapons for all of his soldiers? Probably not. But they were all probably pretty good. Some would have had wood and some bronze and some iron and whatever. But they had a lot of pretty good shields and weapons and so forth. And David captured all of it and brought it back to Jerusalem and put it in a storeroom. But then I think, you know, but David, remember, kind of a, kind of a rough upbringing. Would David have cared if all the weapons on the wall, you know, weren't matching I don't, I don't think David cared if the salt and pepper shakers matched. I don't get the impression. But Solomon, I think Solomon wanted all the salt and pepper shakers to match. And so Solomon put, when he was going to put shields up, he had them made to order. You know, every shield was exactly identical. They were all done the same. And those are the ones that got captured. Well, after those got taken, they still had weapons in in Jerusalem. And now they bring them out. They're kind of all these old things, but they work. And now, and they've got something to arm the people with. And so verse 10, he stationed all the people, each man with his weapon in his hand, mostly shields and spears, but effective. In a circle from the south side of the temple building to the north side of the building, around the altar and all around the building, completely surrounding the king. Then they brought out the king's son. So here he is. And now can um, Jack Ruby get to him? No. Jehoiada has has done this brilliantly. He has, first of all, this is the the proper king. He has the Lord's blessing. He is the descendant of, of King David, he is. This is the the male heir of the line, and so forth. The, the queen had been trying to kill off all of these heirs of King David. Remember, I told, I showed you that verse at the beginning of the previous section that the Lord had had chosen not to cut off the family of of, of David, and and yet Athaliah had done just the opposite, trying to kill them all off. So, Jehoiada didn't involve just. 10 or 20 guys with this he involved the entire army all of the priests all of the Levites and as many of the leaders of the people as he could get which is virtually everybody of of any importance everybody was in on this the whole city of Jerusalem and the surrounding towns of Judah were all in on this Um, they made him king and they gave him they set a crown on him Gave him the testimony and made him king, and Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, "Long live the king." Um, I have here the the uh, the question though. Uh, what do they mean by testimony? They gave him the testimony. The swearing in, like the uh, like the 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 service or whatever, like the bulletin of of the thing or whatever. That's a possibility. Which scrolls? The the books of Moses is a pretty good guess that that's what this could have been. Um, It is is possible that it was just the testimony of the covenant they had just sworn. You know, Um, but I think a copy of, whoops, I've done it again, a copy of the law of Moses, either the whole Pentateuch or at least the book of Deuteronomy was given to him uh, uh, remember, remember how old he was. How old is little Joe Ash? Seven. How old were you when you learned to read? Four or five. Four or five. You know, we're what? What grade? Kindergarten, kindergarten first grade. You know, kindergarten. You're not really reading a lot yet. You know, that's kind of the C-spot run, you know, but first grade, second grade, I think. Um, And by the way, second grade, that's about seven years old. So he wasn't just a beginner reader, he was reading. And they give him this thing. And the other possibility is they they could have actually cracked open the Ark of the Covenant and given him the Ten Commandments. Except, is it ever a good idea to crack open the Ark of the Covenant No, and did they even have it anymore? Maybe not, so. um, I suppose if you blindfolded yourself and had a crowbar, but not even then, just don't do it. But um, I do want to point out this important verse in Deuteronomy 17. Moses had foreseen that Israel would eventually ask for a king. And he said, when you do, not if, but when you Make a king for yourself. This should happen. When he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests that is checked over like spell-checked, like didn't skip any chapters, you know. And it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. And if he had a copy of, let's say Deuteronomy, which is a pretty good guess as to what they gave him, because Deuteronomy is a summary of all of the law without the history parts. That's basically what Deuteronomy is. It's the legal parts of Exodus, Leviticus, and a couple of things in numbers kind of concisely put. But um, in Exodus, you don't get to the Ten Commandments till chapter 20, in Deuteronomy, that's chapter five. You know, so it's a it's a it's a a summary of the law, and written by hand, it would fit in a book, a notebook about this size. Uh, having done that a couple times, I have hand copied a few books of the Bible in my life. Um, if you would like, this is not this is about to become one. This is blank, but it will probably be one. Um, but I have one up in the uh, sacristy. That I did a couple years ago, just to time myself. How long would it take me? How many hours? Um, and uh, I double checked this morning. I thought that I had spent nine hours on it. It was actually about seven um, hours copying um, the the Book of Revelation. And I have the book where my hand my handwriting is all of Revelation in a notebook. Up in the that's the pastor's locker room behind the altar. That's the sacristy, and it's there. You can. I don't mind if you go up and look at it. It's behind the glass in the glass case, and you're welcome. It's, a, it's the smallest book in there, and you're, you're welcome to pick it up and look through it. And my son Peter did some of the illustrations, like the Red Dragon, and I did a couple of illustrations, but it's also, anyway, let's go on. Okay, now there is a translation question in Deuteronomy. This, I think that what I copied here is the English Standard Version, the ESV, uh, and in other translations, it's passive. Not he shall write for himself in a book, a copy of the law, but he shall have written for himself. So the Levite may have copied it for the king. Um, uh, and in this case, with the seven-year-old, I kind of wonder if they gave him his own. You know, like, we'll, we'll give you one. But with the older, I, like, I kind of think that Jehoshaphat probably did his own. You know, and if I were king and they told me you have to have a copy of Deuteronomy, I would say, well, hand me a scroll and a pen and give me a week. You know, or or at least a, a you know, a, a two-liter bottle of root beer or something and I'm going to go to it and we'll uh, we'll crank this baby out. I will get on it. Um, you know, and how long would it take? To copy it? Hours. You know, a couple days for a book as long as Deuteronomy, probably two, maybe three days, um, but uh, the question came to this morning about, about Luther translating the New Testament. How long did it take him? Um, I've actually forgotten the, the amount of time, but he did the New Testament in less than a year. Um, he just tore through it. Um, when I was translating uh, 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 Jeremiah for the Evangelical Heritage Version, it took me a year and about a third. I think it was about four months, not quite a year and a half. But I, but I was working full-time as a pastor You know, I'm teaching classes, I'm writing every single day, I'm uh, counseling, marrying, burying, Um, I've got catechism, and I was, you know, a dad and a husband. And so I limited myself to about an hour in the morning and about two hours in the evening of work and about four verses per day. That was my pace. And that got about a year and a quarter, a year and a third, something like that. Vowels are a very late addition to Hebrew, and in, in in Jehoiada's day, not only would they not be using vowels, they wouldn't have been using the Hebrew script that we recognize. They would have been using the old Hebrew script. The new script came with the return from Babylon. That's that's Aramaic alphabet, much easier, uh, a much more well adapted for a pen, and this would that that I. The, he, Jo, uh, Joash wouldn't have had one written like that. He'd have had something a little bit different. Um, I can show you that another time. But the, the the way the script looks, but it's a different looking Hebrew. Same language, just different alphabet. If that makes sense. You know, it's it's kind of kind of hard to wrap your mind around that. But different alphabet, but the same same words. Um, okay. Okay. Spoiler alert about what's about to happen. When Athaliah heard the noise made by the people who were running and praising the king, she went to the crowd of people at the house of the Lord. And can I just say, at this point, she could have saved her life. I know that she had killed all of these people and all the king's sons, her, what, grandsons and, and, and so forth. And, and, and was, she was in on all of that. But she could have spared, by doing what? How could she have lived through this? If she would have acknowledged the new king and maybe repented. You know, I, but none of those things are in her nature. So, yeah, but it, it would have, it might have been possible, except that the, she opens her mouth in the next verse and it's done. She's done for. She is minutes from death here. Maybe not even, but just minutes from death. She looked and there was the king standing by his pillar at the entrance what does that mean? The pillar at the entrance? Well, the temple had those two big pillars, Jachin and Boaz. And uh, uh, the pillar Boaz is named for Ruth's husband, the ancestor of all of the kings of Judah. I don't know if that's the king's pillar or not, but anyway, the, he's there standing at the very entrance of probably of the temple here. Um, and the officials and the trumpeters were beside the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing the trumpets. The singers and their musical instruments were leading the praise. And does Athaliah say hallelujah? Athaliah tore her clothes and shouted. I don't want to do it for the recording. Uh, Do either of you have a good like wicked witch voice? But you know, I'd like treason, treason, you know, something like that. So she shouts treason and uh, because everybody's against her. I mean, it's uh, Jehoiada the high priest had so orchestrated it, so the, the, it, it, the, everybody in the, in, 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 as far as she knew, everybody in the nation was against her at this point, supporting the boy king. So, yeah, treason to her. When Jehoiada the priest brought out the commanders who were in charge of the units of 100 in the army, he told them, bring her out between the ranks. Anyone who follows her is to be put to death with the sword. I guess that would mean her advisors and her soldiers and so forth. But if, if anybody goes with her, they're dead too. Um, but the priest also told them, you must not put her to death in the house of the Lord. Why not? Right. But if we go back to King to, to, the, to, the, to when Solomon ascended the throne... There were some bad apples from David's time. And one of them was, I'm forgetting, was it Joab? Who was left over and had to be done away with, who had supported uh, Adonijah in the rebellion. And the, the guy ran and grabbed the horns of the altar in the tabernacle. And Solomon said, it's okay, go ahead and kill him there. And they did. But that guy, for, for even though he supported the wrong guy in the rebellion at the time, he was still a believer in the true God. So that execution happened at the command of the king. He said, it's okay. And they did not disassemble the altar or anything like that. Um, they probably washed it. But Athaliah is what? She is the granddaughter of wicked King Omri. And is a part of the house of Ahab. She's a rank unbeliever, and for her blood to be spilled, I think in the in the in the temple is the problem here. Not that it's human blood, but that it's the blood of an unbeliever, and then you might have a problem with sacrifice going on after that. But don't do it in the house of the Lord. Is His command. And 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 at one point they also uh, one of the Herods. Uh, 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 butchered... Uh, see, he had some men slaughtered who were Jews going to make sacrifices. And the way that it's put in... Is it John's gospel? He mixed their blood with their sacrifices. You know, they were going up to make this sacrifice. Um, so, yeah, you have that kind of thing happening elsewhere and, and at other times. Very good. Um, so, don't whatever you do, don't put her to death in the house of the Lord. However... There are plenty of gates leading out of the house of the Lord. And like I said before, they do not mince words or make after dinner speeches. They laid their hands on her. She was taken to the entrance of the horse gate by the palace of the king where she was put to death. That's that's all they spend time on. Um, there, There is not a big ceremony with her execution. They don't have drums You know, they don't have a a fife or anything playing or people or observers. They just take her outside and kill her. Then Jehoiada made a covenant, another covenant, including himself, all the people, and the king, that they would be the Lord's people. Wouldn't this be wonderful if this were the conclusion to everything? If you have a seven-year-old boy swear that he will be loyal to the Lord forever, um, is he going to necessarily do that? Um, later on, we're going to have a comment about this Jehoiada that, and, and, and King Joash, that as long as Jehoiada was alive, Joash was faithful to the Lord. But as soon as Jehoiada dies, things go south for, for Joash. Um, so he, And remember, he wasn't just the high priest. He was basically his foster father, raised him, he and his wife. And it's his wife, um, Jehoshaba, who is really the heroine of this section. Um, we just heard a little bit about her at the beginning when she stole away the, the, the child and then raises him and so forth. But um, she's the one who, who, who brought this about, the instrument of the Lord here. All the people then went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. You can't just rededicate the temple of Baal. It's gotta, it's gotta come down. They smashed Baal's altars and his images. I, I am, I, I, I subscribe to a magazine called Biblical Archaeology Review, and once in a while, uh, some of the, some of the authors as well as some of the readers who write letters complain that there aren't more images of Baal and shrines of Baal. You know where are all these things that the Bible talks about? Well, they smashed them all, um, and then, and also people complain. Well, how come there aren't 50 temples to the Lord everywhere in Israel? It's as if they haven't read the Bible, which says they had one. You know. They also killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Those would be the altars of, of, of Baal there, where they desecrated those. And Jehoiada posted a watch over the house of the Lord. It was under the supervision of the Levitical priests, whom David had... Given assignments in the house of the Lord to offer burnt offerings to the Lord as written in the law of Moses with rejoicing and singing as David had directed. If you remember back in 1 Chronicles, I think it's 16, we had the list of the divisions of the priests. And at that time I told you how you can calculate the date of Christmas based on that list because Zechariah was of the division of Abijah who was number eight in that list and so forth. He stationed the gatekeepers at the gates of the house of the Lord so no one could enter if he was unclean in any way. And this is the important part. He keeps the house of the Lord free of ceremonial uncleanness. This is what was supposed to happen and now he's going to make sure that it happens. He's going to enforce it. Before, the king had a say or the queen, you know, in coming and going as they pleased. But now the high priest says, we're not doing that anymore. He took the commanders of the hundreds the nobles, the governors of the people, and all the people of the land, he brought the king down from the house of the Lord. They came through the upper gate of the palace of the king. They seated the king on the throne of the kingdom, which was in the palace, not in the temple. And back in the account of the Queen of Sheba, um, that we're also told that there was a special entrance from Solomon's palace, that went up into the temple so he could go up and worship without making like probably a disturbance in the streets. Oh, here comes the king. You know, it's always a problem. Uh, So he built a special entrance so he could go up and worship. Well, now it's done in reverse for a different reason. Now they get the king, the boy king, from the temple down to the palace without having to go through the streets where there might be an assassin or some random Jack Ruby guy. So they're able to use it for the reverse reason, but they get him down to the palace where he's supposed to be ruling and they've got guards everywhere. So the king is protected, he's under good protection, and things are are safe. So I mentioned that we're going to hear what the people thought of all of this. All the people of the land rejoiced and the city was quiet after they killed Athaliah with the sword. So when you have um, a, a, a bad tyrant who causes fear and havoc and trouble in the land and stirs everything up, almost any successor brings with them a period of relative calm and peace afterwards. Um, later on, that successor might be criticized for various reasons, but after a time of chaos, you kind of want anybody you know, who isn't the chaotic one And after Athaliah, they were ready for just anyone. You know, seven-year-old boy, fine. We'll get along fine for a while. And really, and remember that with these two chapters in particular, the whole emphasis is on the coming of Christ and of God preserving this line despite this wicked queen who did her best to end the line of the Savior. I just want to quickly mention, because I looked up looking at online at Bible studies on Athaliah. There are a couple of them. Um, and I found these things written about her by various groups and individuals. So number one, uh, somebody said, may the readers save the queen. So as opposed to God save the king, may the readers save the queen. Hoping, I think the, the intention of this of this person was if by reading the right things into the text, we can turn Athaliah into a good person, someone to emulate. And then powerful Bible queen of Judah. Well, is that kind of true? Well, she was powerful. She's in, the Bible. She's in the Bible, yeah. And then the middle one, interesting queen. Well, yeah, in the sense of, is it, is it the curse of the Arabs? May you live in interesting times? You know, because boring times are peaceful times. Um, woman of the world, virtuous Queen Athaliah. I have no idea how they were able to shoehorn that into the story of Athaliah. But, and then a queen at all costs, kind of a gal. Um, somebody else said. And kind of true, I suppose, queen at all costs. But... Um, but a wicked queen who was, I mean, the Lord himself anointed the one to go and put her to death. Um, he's not the one who did it, but it did happen. And now we are down to the, uh, of, the of the 20 monarchs of Judah, we're now down to number eight. And after this point, it's going to start to roll faster. So we're going to end up with more and more kings in less and less uh, space. We're now more than two-thirds of the way through this book, but as you see, we're not even halfway through the list of the kings. So it's gonna, we're going we're gonna to get them uh, one after another. And at the very end, we're going to have, I think, four in one chapter. So it's going to roll pretty quickly. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.